This episode of the podcast is brought to you by purchasing a motorcycle helmet and not a motorcycle, then walking around in public places with that motorcycle helmet to seem way cooler than you actually are. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Credits, the podcast, the only podcast that is really good at playing Russian roulette. Mm. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are doing The Deer Hunter. The Goat Hunting. What a movie. It's, uh, wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, boy. <laughs> First um, time actually watching it. Yeah, yeah. You said that mm. uh, last time. Well, oh, by the way, we've, we're back. Yeah, sorry. Uh, there was a, a COVID situation that happened. We're good. Everything's fine now. Except for I'm dead. And my leg is blown off. Right, but, but it's fine. Yeah, we're good. Uh, we're not as bad as what happened <laughs> in the Deer Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so Deer Hunter mm-hmm. came out in 1978. Mm-hmm. What a what a year. The times. <laughs> I was alive during that. Yeah. Um, and basically what this movie is about is a an in-depth examination of... Uh, PTSD mm-hmm. and the Vietnam War and where our culture was and the views of the world of that war and pa- basically taking all of that and putting it into a small town and how that war affected a small group kind of like a a community yeah um and it's really good <laughs> so uh, written and directed by uh, Michael Simonino, mm-hmm. he doesn't really have many films underneath his belt, and no, nothing I... and nothing really also seems to have been as good as this. Yeah, it's kind of weird that you kind of peak and then just <laughs> never really do much like that is considered like really really great. Mm-hmm. Um, Shyamalan, nah, <laughs> hey, come he's on, done man. some good come things, on, but man. nothing since. Eh, since what? Hold on. Uh, I like the village, but I know that that wasn't the best. Like Sixth Sense, probably. No. What else? Split is he... was really good. Oh yeah, that's right. Sorry, Split. Split the, was like his last big thing. The visit was pretty fun. Oh, with the the, the grandparents. I didn't see that. I wanted. Well, fuck to. you. See, you oh, can't okay. you can't say shit. That's the camcorder. Avatar right? is amazing. Just kidding. Uh. Okay. Anyway, this movie stars Robert De Niro as Michael, Christopher Walken, a young, handsome oh, Christopher Walken. The man as Nick. looks like a young David Bowie in this. A uh, kinda, yeah. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. Um, fucking Fredo from uh, <laughs> from The Godfather's in this. Uh, John Cazale, he plays Stan. Uh, John Savage plays Steven. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, honestly, the only other person that I thought was worth mentioning is Meryl Streep, who plays Linda. Yeah. There's a handful of other characters, like John, who's basically uh, the guy who ends up not going to war because he's like, hey, you guys know that my knees are bad, right? Yeah. And everyone's like, fuck you, shut up. Um, but generally, that's like your main core. And what, about, what about Axel? Fucking A. Yeah, Axel literally has a very, very limited <laughs> vocabulary of just fucking A. Um, but generally that's your main crew and your main crew really is Michael, Nick and Steven mm-hmm. and then Stan kind of when they come back. Yeah. And um, then Meryl Sweep's character. Yeah. Um, and I'm glad that we actually had a week or so to sit with this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know what your general thoughts are, but I will say that by the end of this movie, although not a, I wouldn't say that it's not, not a happy ending. Mm hmm. But it's a heavy movie. Yeah, absolutely. And 
but by the end of it, I was really smiling because this is a classic tale or a classic take on they just don't make them like they used to. Mm-hmm. And I'll and not not saying that they don't make good movies anymore or anything like that, but this like specifically the things that are done in this film they don't do this shit anymore. Yeah. Um, and there's something else that I realized because obviously the last episode I mentioned that uh, my father in in his opinion he says that this is the greatest war film ever. Mm-hmm. And watching it this time around and sitting down, I was like. Me and my father, although we venture off very dramatically now from like the style of films that we like, mm-hmm. the one thing that I can say and what this film proved to me was that we both really like unconventional stories. Yes. Because although this is a war film, this is a very unconventional Vietnam movie. This is, in my opinion, the weirdest Vietnam movie. Like Out of, <laughs> out of all of them, like Apocalypse Now, Platoon, all of them. This is a Vietnam film with the least amount of Vietnam in it. Right. So the you don't you don't even go to Vietnam till hour one until in. like the first hour. Yeah, until like after the first hour. I think it's like later. I think it's like an hour and fifteen. No, it's like I I literally paused it to see. It was like an hour and two minutes in. There you go. I was right. It's past an hour. Whoa. Uh, so. It's very interesting, though, because and this is what I mean by they don't make them like they used to, because there is no movie that would get greenlit today that a major studio would take on that would allow a a director and a writer to say, uh, we're going to make a a war film and the first hour is mostly going to be at a wedding. Mm hmm. And the wedding scene is going to go on for 53 minutes. The wedding scene (laughs) is long. (laughs) And you're sitting there watching the wedding scene and you're like, wow, Mm -hmm. we're still in the wedding. Exactly. And then then the wedding keeps going on. And then you're like, wow, we're still in the Mm -hmm. wedding. (laughs) Um, But I'll be honest, I loved it because I think that this movie is a triumph in... um, character development because I was that's literally the point about to say that like the first hour so like there are things that like bleed into the good and the bad for me like i'll i'll just say right now like the the good about this is the character development like while i was annoyed that like i'm like oh my god we're here at the wedding scene forever you're getting all of this development of like everybody and like how they function together and you see the camaraderie especially to like when they actually go to the mountain and go deer hunting and you really see like more so with mike and nick like how they're just really really close friends yeah like they really get each other and then you have like all the other ones like stanley and john and stanley can fuck off right out of the gate like he's <laughs> he's a fucking weirdo <laughs> um like going up in the wedding scene and like punching the girl for the Slapping guy her, yeah. grabbing her ass. Yeah. And it's like, that's not even her fault. But eh. but I guess that was like, my dad was telling me, I guess that's a weird like Godfather reference too. Cause like he's also in the Godfather. Yeah. Right. And there was something very similar that happened in it. Mm, yeah. So I don't know. I guess it was like a kind of like tip of the hat for it. Yeah. But yeah, like you really get like everybody just being such close friends. Yeah. And I liked that about this. Yeah, I loved it. I really, I wasn't like bored at all during the wedding scene or anything. I mean, I'm just sitting, I was just, again, it, I, I was just more amazed. I was like, they really just don't make <laughs> movies like this anymore. There's no movie that would, that would again, that they would allow to do that. 
today after like 20 minutes i kind of gave myself into it and i was like all right i'm just here i'm, I'm, in, the I'm in the wedding i'm yeah. here um and uh, uh, you know some really important things happen at mm-hmm. the wedding i mean you get to see the relationship between linda and michael you get mm-hmm. to see that there's obviously some type of sexual tension and are they going to do it? Are they not going to do it? He knows that, you know, that's, that's um, Nick's girl. That's Nick's girl. And he's unsure if he really wants to, but he, he finds himself completely attracted to her. And let's be honest, young male street, oh very, very God, pretty gorgeous. Um, and a young Robert De Niro, oh, very handsome. The beard, <laughs> that goatee combo. Yeah, yeah, he's so good. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot there. I mean, even when the, the Vietnam vet comes to the wedding mm. and shows up and he just goes straight to the bar and, he basically, you know, Michael has that kind of conversation with him of like, what, you know, we're going over there. What, what's it like over there? And the guy doesn't really give him anything, but the guy's fucking traumatized. Oh, yeah. And and Michael has this. You learn a lot about Michael, right? He's got this personality of of wanting and and expecting respect. And mm-hmm. if you don't give it to him, he gets very, very frustrated very, very quickly as a temper on him. Oh, yeah. Especially when the the vet like literally just says fuck it yeah and then he just keeps repeating it like fuck it fuck yeah. this fuck that yeah but and it's crazy because there's like an a range of motions mm-hmm. when he's re- repeating it like in the beginning he's angry about it and he literally almost wants to go over there and fight him yeah they have to hold him back. and then at the end he's like fuck it and they all start laughing yeah and you, so you get this wide array of emotions mm-hmm. um and you're just learning like who these guys are Another thing that you learn is when they go on their hunting trip and um, Stanley doesn't have his boots. Yeah. And Michael is like, I'm not going to give you my extra pair. That's a really important moment Mm -hmm. because Michael, I think, in my opinion, at that point, it's not just him being an asshole. It's not him being a jerk. His mentality is now changing. Yeah. He's preparing for war, Mm -hmm. literally. And he's like... We need to be prepared. Like, if you're not prepared, then nobody is going to help you. Yeah. And that's that's a very wartime mentality, right? Like, I'm going to war. I need to have all my shit because if I forget something as stupid as my boots, I can't... I, I'm not going to get another pair of boots. Mm. Like, I need, to, I need to have all my shit squared away. Yeah. What I really like, too, is, like, how you mentioned that, where it's, like, Mike's mentality with war, the opposite for Nick... Because Nick is in that same scene is very much like, nah, come on, man. Give him his boots. Like, right. you, you know that you have an extra pair. Like, just give it to him. And it showcases later on when we get into Vietnam because it's like you see Mike is very hardened. He's almost like built for this. Yeah. And he didn't even know it. Like, he's so ready to, like, do whatever it takes and then just get out of there. Meanwhile, Nick is very much like he... He is prepared, but he's also more compassionate about, like, who he's with. Right. Like, he's very, very concerned about Steven and, like, wants to, like, help him out. And I'm almost certain that if if Nick wasn't there, Mike would have left Steven. Yeah, I think so, 100%. too. 100%. I think so. I, and, again, you have these personalities where you can tell that Michael is going to be the rock. Yeah. Right? Like, you know that he's going to be the stable one. And seeing um, Nick kind of have that soft side, you can then tell that he's going to, his emotions Mm -hmm. are going to lead him. Exactly. And he can potentially, obviously it goes very south for him, but like you can tell that he has this, this, I'm, 
I'm feeling a certain way about this and I will kind of, he's more of like a critical thinker, Yeah, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And he's unfortunately a critical thinker, but he's too emotional. Yeah. So and then I, that really kind of forces him to make these really poor decisions and it breaks him. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's really what it comes down to, right? It breaks him. Well, yeah. Cause he goes off of emotion. So he sees something, he immediately says something without thinking of like yeah. what, what four different options could happen from the scenario. Right. And you, and you don't get enough with Steven in the wedding mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot to fully grasp who he is. But obviously once we get to war, it's made very clear. Yes, he is that not built for Steven this. Steven is not okay at all. Mm-hmm. Like, M- Michael is coming up with plans yes. and coming up with how we're going to get the fuck out of here and we need to do this, 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 and this, and this is how we're going to escape and blah, 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 blah. Nick is following Michael mm-hmm. and he's able to do what he has to do, but it's obviously affecting him more than it's affecting Michael and Steven's just dead in the water basically yeah, like exactly. he's, he's literally just a crutch at this point yeah like he has to like spend five minutes just like coasting him it, to like calm down yeah exactly and he is you know a potential threat mm-hmm. for them because he can really hold them back mm-hmm. so michael kind of has that decision making of like am i going to free him from this cage am i not and obviously they decide to do it yeah um but you know so once we get out of kind of part one of the movie which is them before war mm-hmm. Then we get finally to part two, which is basically them in war. Mm -hmm. And this is where you see the real horrors. Yes. And I like that they don't hold back because I thought it was a very, very great editing choice to have them sitting in the bar having kind of like their final drink with each other and their final laughs with one another. Mm -hmm. And then a hard cut to Vietnam, Michael... Uh, breaks out a flamethrower mm-hmm. and has to burn down a guy, a, a Vietnamese um, man, because this guy is just like about to kill him. Yeah. And he's killing, you know, anybody that he's seeing. And I'm like, that is the starkest contrast that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a so very somber. long time. It's so somber and it's so like calm. And you really get like that last moment where it showcases like it, it hard pans to Mike and it showcases like his face of like realizing that like this is what he's going to leave behind. And then, like you said, like you just get like bombs dropping in the middle of the jungle and then like Vietnamese soldiers like dropping pipe bombs into like a bunker. And it's like, like oh filled my God. with just women and children. Yes. And you're just like, what the hell? Like, like you're, is... you're just like, oh, my God, like here we are. Right. This is it now. And then, of course, you get the amazing scene of, like, the Diddy Mao of, like, do it. like Yeah. And afterwards, like, when you have, like, where Nick is a is in, like, a different part. Because, obviously, we see that they split up, like, trying to get rescued. And we don't know where Steven is. Mike seems to be okay. Um, and then we follow Nick. And you see, like, this very, very real side where he's in, like, the like hospital basically a hospice and he's just looking down at all the body bags and like that was the moment where i was like man they really didn't pull any punches like this feels like what it was like for vietnam like you're just literally sitting there watching soldiers carry out bodies yeah in metal caskets yeah and you can see how just fucked up he is mm-hmm. he does he's like really having a hard time remembering his name and he and if he he's just lost he really is just like lost completely um and and obviously 
I mean, you, we kind of brushed over it, but the Russian roulette scene is, it's powerful mm-hmm. uh to say the least yeah i guess that's really what the only word i can say uh it's scary mm-hmm. it's it's everything it, it it makes you really sit there and and see the brutality of war because these guys are betting money on who's going to blow their head off mm-hmm. and they're making their best friends sit across from the table and do it yeah and of course you have the really smart idea that Michael comes up with was we have to get more bullets in that mm-hmm. chamber and then adding three more bullets to the chamber and then still forcing them to then use the gun on themselves in hopes that they're on the empty one. Mm-hmm. And you got a 50, 50 shot at that, at that point, point, you got a 50, 50 sh- uh, chance and you know, and it doesn't go off mm-hmm. and then they give it to Michael and then he ends up, turning the gun on on the guys and shooting them and then they grab the machine guns and they get the hell out of there uh it's it's worth that scene alone oh yeah absolutely like that's always the scene where it's like everybody knows about the deer hunter right like it's just the russian roulette scene and there's a reason why it's like the most well-known scene from the film yeah it's just like you said powerful like it's, it's a very realistic side to war that just added to the film yeah I will say, though, I think my favorite portion of the film, because like we said, like it's a three-hour film. It's split up into three sections. The last hour, I think, is my favorite. Yeah, so that's kind of like the aftermath, mm-hmm. right? So now we're we're back home. Michael, I lo- so this is, a, this is, again, really smart filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I love this little decisions like this. Michael comes back home, and A, he refuses to go to like the homecoming welcome, yeah. welcome back He tells party. the taxi driver to like, keep, keep going. going. So he leaves, and he doesn't show up. Mm-hmm. And they make a really, really smart decision where now going forward, basically Michael never gets out of his military fatigues. Mm-hmm. He never, ever leaves um, the house without his all of his fucking medals and his full-blown military outfit. Yeah. And that is just so clearly now who Michael is mm-hmm. and now his view. Now, now you know who Michael is as a, as a man now. Yeah. He's completely changed, and uh, it's just smart filmmaking. I mean, even, too, like, you get, like, the subtle little things where it's, like, it showcases that Mike is definitely suffering from PTSD, but he kind of, like, holds it together a little bit better than, like, some people would. Yeah. Where it's, like, the the scene alone of, like, him in the hotel just panning of him sitting in, like, different spots, like, just sitting at the end of the bed and just looking at nothing is amazing. Yeah. Um, later on, when he finally decides to, like, show himself to everybody and he takes Stanley's little gun, like, when they go camping again yeah. and tosses it. Right. Because it's just reminding him of the Russian roulette because it's a six-shooter, yeah. like a revolver. Yeah. So you get, like, these small little instances where... It's just now describing, like, who he is as a person. Yeah. And you can even see, too, that, like, you know, because he doesn't have a job at this point. Like, he's kind of just, like, he he's he's back from war. He has the money from being in the army. And it's just, like, he kind of has, like, this free time to do whatever he wants. And he's waiting there for Meryl Streep's character, like, just to, like, get out of work. Yeah. And it's, like, seven hours that he's just sitting in the car waiting. Yeah. And it's it's those little instances where it's, like, he doesn't know what to do with himself anymore. Yeah. You have... And something else that you notice is 
before they obviously all went to went to war, they were all best friends. Yeah. And now everything feels so different. There's like this weird tension between everybody. There's yeah, and I think in my opinion what it what it comes down to is they now no longer they all grew up in this it seems like they all kind of grew up in this town they all have known each other for years and years and years and they've all had these kind of similar same exact experiences in their lives yeah growing up in this kind of you know blue collar town and now michael has an experience that nobody else in the town has and he has such a hard time now relating and i think there's also a a point of feeling very dull like mm-hmm. he went he went from war to then civilian life again and it's just so bleak and dull yeah in comparison well there's even too like the small little shot of like when he's walking her to like her job and the guy like cat calls her and he looks back and you're almost like oh he's gonna start something just because he needs something to do yeah and he doesn't, but like it was still like a nice little small touch to do so. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, like even so, like Mike kind of like once he comes back and he hears that, like, you know, Steven's back too, he searches him out because at this point, Steven and Nick are the only other ones that have experienced what he's experienced and feel like he can kind of like relate to them. Yeah. And poor Steven, man, man like Steven, he, he got the worst of it all. Yeah, I mean, lost both of his legs. And his arm doesn't work. Yeah, he's got, like, a bad arm, no legs, and he he's really mentally fucked up. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you learn something kind of interesting, mm-hmm. that he's getting a lot of cash mailed to him. Mm-hmm. And he thinks that it's his, who is it, his, um, he believes it's, like, his mom or something. Yeah. And Michael's like, no, that's Nick. Yeah, because the Nick little is... elephants are being sent with it. Yeah. And you get that shot of Nick, like, when he's trying to, like, just look at everything in Vietnam. Yeah. And he sees, like, the cart full of wooden elephants. Yeah. So then now there's, like, this, okay, now wh- what's going on with Nick? Mm-hmm. And then and then we have to go back to Vietnam. Yep. And it basically turns out that he's been... He's just so fucking like lost. He's lost his mind at mm-hmm. this point, and he's now kind of become like the king of Russian roulette. <laughs> it's kind. Which, it's crazy. It's nuts because it's like there's no like the odds of you actually being able to win this often. Yeah, because he's sending money once a month, twice a month. Yeah, you know how often you have to do that yeah, then right. to get that money. Yeah, like it's insane the fact that like he's winning all these matches. Yeah. And, I mean, like, obviously, it's, like, power of the plot. Like, you know, Nick has yeah, to win. right. But, like, looking at it from a realistic standpoint, it's, like, that man is the luckiest man in the world. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, when you actually go back, and another subtle thing that I found was really, really powerful was the first time around when they were in Vietnam and they were in the war, and you have Mike yelling at Nick, like, do it. Like, we got to do this. Like, do it. And then when he finally gets back and he he realizes that the only way to snap Nick out of it is to go up against him in Russian roulette. And he's telling him, don't, don't do, do it. it. Yeah. And you see this complete like character change from him. Yeah. Like I will I will praise this movie on character development. Oh, it's, like it's it's again, it's like a fucking triumph. Yes. It? Like, I mean, you honestly could have been like, 
Like, this could have been a trilogy. Yeah. And gotten the same amount. Yeah. But it's three hours long and you got all this development and everything. Yeah. Like, that is the one thing that I will say I loved about this film. Yeah. Um, obviously, Nick ends up dying. Mm-hmm. He ends up losing and he shoots himself in the head. And Michael fucking just, just holding home. him in, in his arms. It's just so heartbreaking. Um, and then, I mean, what el- what else can he do, right? Yeah, just come home. Right. And then they come home and they have their funeral. Steven ends up kind of breaking out of his little, I refuse to leave here. And he ends up coming out and they end up just going back to the bar restaurant that, um, I don't remember the guy's name, but yeah. their friend owns the guy that was basically like, Oh, I don't, I, I can't go to the war. Uh, John. Yeah. John has his little restaurant. John has kind of a, I thought it was a, a bit of a powerful scene where where they're all kind of cooking or mm-hmm. he or they're all kind of setting up to to eat after the funeral, and he's like he's trying to take take care of everybody. Yeah, he's like he's basically like, no, trying no, to be no, dad. Like, I'll get coffee. Yeah, I'll get the eggs, and he goes worry. into the back of the kitchen. Then he just breaks down. Mm-hmm. He's just crying, and then he's just like, "I'm just gonna cook." He cooks, and then he brings it over, and this is kind of the first time that they have all been in the same room together. Since Obvi- before Vietnam. Right. And obviously Nick is now gone. And uh, they sing. Yeah. They s- <laughs> <laughs> It's a little weird. It's- but, I mean, I like at the same time too, like I'm thinking as when this movie came out of 1978 and like the impact that the Vietnam War had on Americans. Yeah. Like, it makes sense. Yeah. Like the amount of people that came back with PTSD and like all these hardships and all these mental issues, like it was kind of the only way that this film could end yeah in my opinion like you kind of had to have like a somber ending yeah to a film that completely went like a roller coaster of emotions right and you need to you need to end on american pride like you you have to (laughs) like you know like that's it's it's a it's a film that's going that you know is mainly being released in america and your primary audience your your primary audience members are americans who probably have known many people, you know, fathers, grandfathers, sons, that cousins that have gone to the war. So you need to have that sense of patriotism. You know, mm-hmm. it's very similar to like the aftermath after 9-11 happened in New York. There was this overwhelming amount of patriotism that happened after 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, I mean, I'm not, not to say that it was good or bad. It was just Americans were... F- proud to be Americans and and this movie tries to I think make that the final thought Mm -hmm. um and for that I can't fault it I can't I kind of get what you mean it's a little strange it's a little weird I think watching it this in this time but at the time it was probably way more impactful yeah um so I have like one major theme that I took away from this Mm -hmm. film uh to wrap this up um, unless, I don't know, did you have anything else that you wanted to say? Um, I, I mean, there's really not a lot like bad that I have to say about this. I kind of mentioned it already. It's like the, the three hours and like, you know, the first hour is like literally just sitting there with them. Yeah. Like it's good and bad. Like I, I appreciate it for people like us that are more like seasoned moviegoers. Like I can appreciate it. Yeah, I loved it. I know people that would probably hate this Shut and it turn off. it off yeah. after 20 minutes of yeah. the wedding scene. Um, so it, it, it just took me a while to like get into because of that. Cause I'm like waiting. I'm like, okay, I get it. They're getting ready. Okay. They're going to the wedding. Wow. The wedding's really fucking long. Yeah. Okay. When are they going to Vietnam? Right. Yeah. And then I guess like, 
like I wish we got like a little bit more in Vietnam. Yeah. But I mean, that's just me nitpicking because it's like this is a Vietnam movie. There's so little Vietnam in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and that's not really the point of it. Yes. The point of it's not the war. It's what it's happened the, after. Yeah, the war. that's the and point. that's that's what I I took away and loved about this film. Yeah. Um. Other than that, let's get into themes. Yeah. So my I took I basically wrote one major theme down. That I mean, there's a lot obviously, but mm-hmm. the one that I took away from it mostly, um, is the idea. So so throughout the film. Uh, it's kind of said a few times that Michael kind of has this attitude of being the fucking man. Mm-hmm. And when they go on their hunting trips, he makes it, he, he, you know, he makes it a very, very strong point that he only ever um, basically brings one bullet mm-hmm. and he uses that one bullet. And that's all you should ever need to take down a deer. He's yeah. like, at that point, if you miss, if you miss your shot, then you, then you didn't deserve it. And if you don't get a good shot and the, and the animal gets away, then you're not, then you're not good mm-hmm. basically. Right. Yeah. And he's like, it's a one shot deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and something very, very sh- powerful happens on their second hunting trip back. Yep. Which is, he he's tra- he's uh, tracing down the deer. He ends up finding it. He has a very very clear shot of it, and he decides to shoot, but he lifts the rifle mm-hmm. up and he misses on purpose. Yeah. And for me, the major theme that I took away was Michael understanding the value of a human life. Yeah. And the value of life in general, not just a human life, just the the value of life, because. He used to be a guy that would go out and not hunt for necessity, but hunt for sport and hunt for fun and going to the war and just now coming back, he realizes that for him, that's no longer what he wants to do. He he no longer wants to just kill something just to kill something, right? He's, He's not doing it out of necessity. He doesn't need to kill this deer. So he decides to not. And it feels like that is his last bullet, like his last gun that he will shoot. Yeah. Um, and basically, yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's pretty much what I what I wrote down is just that he, he realized that, um, you know, that he, that he no longer wants to kill it for uh, sport and fun only. Um, and, you know, basically killing is basically at this point only meant for survival. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of proves how damaged and broken he is um, because he's just trying to deal with it. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that the movie, I think him pulling away that rifle proves or at least shows that Michael is going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like we said, like Michael is the one that got out the best out of the three. Yeah. Nick was severely like mentally damaged. Um, Steven was mentally damaged and physically damaged. Yeah. And then Michael like is kind of broken, but like he, he works his way through it. Mm-hmm. And really the, the biggest thing that I took away was like, this movie is probably one of the better stories in war of showing the trauma of war. Yeah. Showing the aftermath, showing PTSD, showing like, what people that come back from it have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Right. Like, yes, it's in a sense, like air quotes, it's easy to go to war. It's hard to come back. Yeah. And that's what this movie really did the best with. Yeah. Yep. 
So this is definitely not a Saving Private Ryan situation where you're in the where you're in the war the entire time, um, or Platoon. Yeah, you're. This is definitely a film about the effects of it and how it affects a community, mm-hmm. and for it being uh, a movie that's tackling those subjects, I think that it does it exponentially well. Eight and a half wooden yeah. elephants yeah. out of ten. I feel like it's a nine. There's like little small things that I wish whatever I you know the movie goes on a little long mm-hmm. whatever but overall I mean I really enjoyed it yeah uh, and it's only my second time watching it so uh, second time around I definitely appreciated it a lot more mm-hmm. now um, okay so I have a recommendation uh, to kind of still stay in the somber mood mm-hmm. a little uh, I want to recommend an album um, so I don't know if you have heard of this guy i'm not a big fan of his past works although he's very much like acclaimed to be like oh like every album that he's made is great mm, CeeLo green yes i know of him <laughs> um i did not uh really care for any of his other albums at least so far um but his most recent album uh is called friends that break your heart so obviously it's not a very happy album <laughs> um and the artist is james blake uh okay. and it's a really interesting album sonically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's again, it's very somber, but I think he does some really interesting stuff production-wise. That it almost feels like he's literally like on the cusp of creating his own genre of music. It's it's really interesting. Okay, um, how he how he's able to like blend his singing and then hip hop into it somehow and, and how it all seamlessly blends together is really, really interesting. Um, so friends that break your heart by James Blake, I think is a really good album and I think, uh, it's worth checking out. Very nice. Zach, what are we doing next? Well, Frank, for our discussion, I think it would be very fun to do something that we haven't done yet. And that's talk about plot twists. Ah, Yes. Talk about those good moments in film where you think you know what's going on, and then boom. Wait a minute. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Um, All right, cool. So look forward to that. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank Nostrovia.